0: Welcome to TMI, a podcast by Henry Ford Allegiance Health. Well, hey, Andrew. Hey, Dave. It's another podcast. I know, and I'm pretty excited about this one. This is a good one. Mm -hmm. It's fancy. Mm -hmm. Getting fancy around here. Yep. We pulled a pretty good guest. Uh, Is a great guest. Um, We both here work at Allegiance Health, Henry Ford Allegiance Health, Mm -hmm. um, and we have for a little while. Um, and it's a great organization to be at, mm-hmm. lots of cool things going on, such a great culture. And yeah. a big reason that, I don't know, I, a big reason I worked here mm-hmm. is because the leadership has kind of brought this community together yeah. to become more healthy. And yep. one of the main people behind a lot of these initiatives and guiding our community is with us today in the studio, Mm -hmm. Georgia Fatasic. Thank you for joining us today.
1: I'm very glad to be here, Dave and Andrew.
0: Yes. So Georgia is the president and CEO of Henry Ford Allegiance Health. Mm -hmm. You've been here for 30 years. Right. And uh, been doing a lot of things, mostly in leadership, and your position changed. You became CEO and brought a lot of change to our community and navigated us through a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to bring you on and let you know we're extremely grateful for what you've done for us and, more importantly, what you've done for the community and just kind of turned things around for us, it seems like. Yeah.
1: It's been, uh, you know, this whole time of reflection through retirement has been terrific for me and traveling to our various campuses to visit with our staff to be able to get a a view in a very short period of time of everything we've built has been very, very rewarding because so much has happened. I became CEO 25 years ago. And we were um, a community hospital. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we initially, after I became CEO, it when there was a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening. And I think the concerns of the board were, um, could we be sustainable? Because we were really primary care and some secondary care, but much of the specialty care was transferred outside the community. So the initial... Um, time was spent actually going and talking to strategic partners We went and talked to everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the decision of the board then was and um, working with our um, consultants from KPMG was do you want to um, create a system that is sustainable for the long term or do you want to become part of another system? And the driving force got to be the community. Mm -hmm. I don't think we understood it at the time the way we understand it today, but somewhere it was that ability to drive it ourselves.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that's really impressed me about even the decisions that our board takes and just the direction of our organization is all of those decisions are made for the community. Like what is the best situation that we can put our community in? Mm-hmm. And even when we have big opportunities to join with other organizations, it's just all about, is it right for us? It seems good on paper, but what is it going to do to our people? And I think
1: it, it is. And I, you know, I think it if- Nonprofits are hard to understand in terms of their structure because in the corporate world, people are accustomed to for-profit. Mm-hmm. There's stockholders and there's a board, etc. But it's easy for um, that to be translated to that's the way a nonprofit works. And for nonprofits, there is, it's a public charity. Any 501c3 is a public charity. So your accountability is to your community. And then you get to, so then who's governance? When these 501c3s are started, you have to name a, a governing board, which would be your startup board. Um, and for us, it was the transition from the city hospital to a private 501c3. Uh, but those community members are volunteers, non paid volunteers, and we've affectionately called them the owner's rep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. who's the owner? The community. Right. And the community, even now, as part of Henry Ford Health System, remains our community. We have a parent with, and we had a change of control, so there certain controls vested in Henry Ford Health System, but we retained our local board. Yeah. and. For me, personally, to be part of that for 25 years and seeing the difference that community-minded people, true community-minded people uh, have their the mindset in terms of making decisions has been such a gift. Mm-hmm. And as I've said these last, uh, in a few places, not to ever feel that we were other than that i was other than partners with them so that i mean we've taken some pretty difficult reports to the board but not to be fearful concerned Mm -hmm. but not fearful that you know i could share the most difficult information knowing that we would figure it out together
0: that's that's huge yeah and i think the board does such a good job about thinking not only of themselves, but thinking bigger than themselves for the community. And even in some of the little decisions, I mean, not little, but throughout history, the decisions that have been made, like the building we're in right now, that's a great example of the board trusting that we can use things in our community that are still there and not let them just fall apart and really just make it something special. Find use in what 's around and just really do something cool and save a portion of what Jackson is and make mm-hmm. it better
1: it It, it is David, you know there are multiples of those decisions that mm-hmm. you and I've talked about someday being able to i don 't know do we fill in the blanks of the centennial, but for this building, Jackson Square in particular. Uh, what seemed to be such an audacious idea for what we were in 1996 and um, thinking that we needed some office space to saying we were going to buy one jackson square
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that um, somehow we would figure out the hotel mm-hmm. that was right. one of the big concerns is then are we buying the hotel because everybody believed that it would needed to go away but who was going to make it go away mm-hmm and to no I mean, the original plan was that we would rent 50% of it and we would occupy 50% of it which is what happened and then to bring Hendrick Shore here to you know help us with such a behemoth operation and uh, Hendrick's role in economic development in the community um, but it truly was a, a, a thinking through that at that time a huge vacant Property would um, potentially risk the uh, landscape of the community at a time when the community was not doing well anyway.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those decisions are not easy ones. There's been a lot of difficult decisions that Very have to be made, and that really speaks to, I think the the need and our responsibility to be like transparent and authentic for when things don't go right or when things happen, I think that's one of the big things that we see our staff are proud of us, proud of the leadership, to be able to tell it how it is, like tell the truth and not co- not sugarcoat things, but just really, you know, be truthful.
1: That's uh, that's so accurate, Dave. And you know, during that time of the Jackson Square Uh, um, acquisition part of what was also happening is the local EMS the private emergency medical services uh, wanted to sell and we um, had figured out pretty quickly as a result of some uh, contacts we had that Huron Valley Ambulance in Ann Arbor would be a great partner Mm Um, And so that was in the works. And then um, I believe it was hospice and home care and the speech and hearing clinic. So here you are in the mid-90s with fragile, small uh, nonprofits that really needed an anchor. And we were the obvious anchor um, for the speech and hearing clinic. We were the only... That was the only place that children on Medicaid can get hearing aids, and children who cannot hear cannot learn. Mm -hmm. So we brought them in. And, you know, the community was very, very concerned about that acquisitiveness. And when I look back on that, I think on one level we really did tell our story. Um, If I think back now to today, and maybe some of this is just how communications are um, communications have definitely evolved. I mean, mm-hmm. that was largely yeah. uh, playing to a daily newspaper. Right. That, I mean, that was the fabric that we needed to think mm-hmm. about. It was hard to have a conversation like this mm-hmm. that someone would pick up on social media. And so um, I think we would even be more deliberate. Um, I tried to make sure we weren't doing corporate spam. Uh, but when you're sending press releases and those types of things mm-hmm. and your only vehicle is the printed word, it's different than being able to have this right. kind of communication. Yeah. Yep. And I'm I, I, that in itself is something for us to think about as it relates to transparency, authenticity, and how um, you can share information that's very meaningful in a different way that lets th- people translate for themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And at those times when in our health system historically we haven't always been the best, but we've always strived to become better. Yes, And even political leaders have kind of kept us on task for that. And our reaction, I think, is telling of who we are, where we say, yes, we need to be better and maybe some of those procedures and things need to change and it's it really shows that we're authentic so Mm -hmm.
1: it's uh our health care and our health is deeply personal and in many of those experiences hopefully we're all getting our primary care Mm -hmm. where it's routine you hope When patients are in the hospital, there's high vulnerability because often it means something is wrong. And um, to be able to um, have people have a sense of comfort is really critical in an era where um, AARP magazine and others routinely run articles parade on how to keep your hospital from harming you. And I look at those and think, I mean, it's not um, exactly how you want your industry. It's sort of like how would you feel if it was about your automobile? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, how to keep GM from messing up your car. Right. Uh, To think about past history. But that is our industry and we are human beings taking care of human beings as much as we try to put fail safes in and I think healthcare has come a distance. We have more of a distance to go and high reliability. And I believe we need to have the conversation around what are the things we do and it really is necessary for people to advocate for themselves, to ask questions, to insist. We want people doing that and pushing us. And people need and benefit from advocates as well, especially in a complex environment like hospital care yeah
0: that's great. And when those opportunities happen, I mean it shows kind of shows our resilience of how we bounce back from those situations what have what's been your experience with kind of becoming resilient? <laughs> um, have you had to bounce back from anything or <laughs> So well, when question, you're but. when
1: you're building like we <laughs> built, you know not every decision turned out exactly as we mm-hmm. anticipated, but we had um a very, I think, good vision for clinical redesign that was more personalized care around the patient um, with vision two thousand, as some uh, yeah. may remember. And you know, it was so much change in an environment where um i don't think organizationally we were ready Mm -hmm. and so it did not go well and our staff protested and we didn't really have the culture of being able to talk to one another so we got in the media and um you know those were very difficult times there are um some pretty amazing stories um around that that Um, some of them brutal lessons learned and some of them inspiring lessons of people whose lives you touched and didn't know who came to our aid and defense by translating Um, and so to to be able to have gone through that time and to understand what it took to regain trust inside the organization first and then outside the organization was uh, probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever had, that we really needed to engage our team in a different way mm. and start talking about why we would um, make such significant changes in the way we mm-hmm. provided care. Um, and you know, the, it wasn't long after that when we had the 700 patients, where we were cleaning our endoscopes and there was a process step that was skipped, uh, what we heard from the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta and the State Health Department in Lansing was 99.9 percent chance nothing mm-hmm. happened. But through our value of integrity our board decided we would inform those 700 patients and as a result because of 700 people in a small community we should be proactive in going to the media. And those were the right things to do. And uh, it was a, a challenging time, but we actually brought the media in to see how we clean our scopes. We talked a lot about colonoscopies because the last mm-hmm. thing we wanted is for people to say, I'm never going to have a colonoscopy. And so we talked about cancer and everything that uh, really created concern on our part about this situation. And I think we. I think it was a real turning point. So it's how do you take something that's very difficult and Mm -hmm. make it positive? And I'll tell you, the platform for that was the Tylenol incident where when we were researching crisis management, you know, Tylenol, uh, when they found cyanide in the Tylenol Mm -hmm. capsules in the um, 90s, was Tylenol took every product off the shelves regardless, not just their capsules. Hmm. And they didn't return them until they had developed bottles that, that uh, would, it would be evident if somebody had been in the bottle.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And um, I, that was um, quite an experience for us. But there were lessons from another industry where yeah. uh, people did the right thing.
2: That's great. Yeah. Transparency and accountability. I mean, those things are they're, they're the right thing to do and they're not always the easiest thing to do. But it's crazy the type of almost respect and reaction you get from the people that you're being mm-hmm. transparent to almost instantly. Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of, um, you know, being in marketing, you know, we... Yeah. We have this great opportunity now with social media to be very open with, you know, everything that we do and um, I think it... It just it, you gain that trust at an accelerated rate when you're transparent and open mm-hmm. with with the people. So yeah, that's great. That's huge.
0: Yeah, and I think the people doing the transparency it's also a key thing to work with because um, they are a key to our success, like the people in our organization. And I don't know if we've always had that where people take responsibility um, the leadership takes responsibility we create leaders we build leaders we I think this morning you mentioned level 5 leadership yes and that's like such an interesting concept to me and like it just shows like we value our people and we value them enough to say we think you can be better and we think as a organization we can all raise up to become better and follow strong leadership and things like that, so you've been quite a strong leader yourself um, How did you kind of work with the rest of the the board and everyone in the hospital and the organization to kind of find that that was an important thing to foster in our group
1: i um you know, I think some of it became a little bit instinctual at some point, Dave. And that's an excellent question that you ask. We um, knew that the, the more you do the right thing in, t- in hard situations, and we have many hard situations, mm-hmm. and we have many opportunities to improve, the more transparency... Uh, it It becomes easier, even when it's hard information, because it's it takes a lot of energy to do spin.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: a lot of energy. And um, I had uh, at one point during the vision 2000 um, situation, the the board um, was concerned, and so we brought in an agency. And um, that rapidly proved itself to be not the right thing to do because um, the view of the agency really was, um, how are we going to present this in the best light? And I think the real question was, how do we get honest with something about a, a decision made in your local health system that was not the right direction and therefore these are the consequences and what are we going to do about it and then to be able to have that story inside the organization have people believe it. Mm -hmm. So um, the more... You know, and I did a lot of reading, Dave, on leadership because um, there are very excellent thought leaders out there and one of my... Uh, most favorite is Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great. His initial research was built to last. Corporations built to last. But in his Good to Great, he um, developed also a Good to Great for the social sectors, um, saying that the flywheel, the things that drive the nonprofits, are, are a little bit different principles. But that's where the Level 5 leadership And engaging people at all levels of the organization uh, really started manifesting themselves for me. And I was privileged at uh, one point in the late 90s to um, see Jim Collins in um, the American Hospital Association meeting. And it was so compelling to me because his research was he wanted his team to look at how these corporations go from merely good, average, mediocre, Mm to great. And he said to them, do not come back and tell me it's the leadership and the CEO. And they kept coming back and saying, it's the leadership and the CEO, and this is what we're seeing. And he speaks himself to being resistant mm-hmm. to that yeah. concept until his team, um, you know, worked it out with him. And that's where his research started: is um, that it's about leadership. Hmm. I think. Then when. You know, as we go to now Stanley McChrystal's team of teams and how he fought in Afghanistan in a way that was failure and Then what he had to learn about a team of teams bringing together the CIA the Army Mm -hmm. Delta forces and the Navy SEALs to be able to fight Al Qaeda which with all the brilliance of those three divisions of our government we were failing and this ragtag team of fighters and Al-Qaeda were winning mm-hmm. because they didn't follow the rules. They didn't follow army chain of command. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had to come up with something different. So it sort of a long way away as it, I think we now can build level five teams by bringing groups of people together who are um, humble because any idea can be a good idea and who are absolutely willing to persevere against all odds which is what level 5 leadership is um to take organizations to places where they otherwise wouldn't go or communities mm-hmm. yeah or communities
0: and i think it's great that you've been so purposeful about putting people in their their strengths like having them build upon their strength and creating teams that have strong leaders, but also a variety of people with different strengths. I think our marketing department is a great example of that. We have so many different people here. I mean, Andrew and I look kind of the same, but we've got Pete, and we've got Adam, and we've got
2: We're, we're morphing into the same person the slowly. More we work together.
0: It's yeah. a little strange. <laughs> but there's so many different people in all of our different parts of our organization and just building on what their strengths are, I think is so important. And I was, I almost think you might have a sports reference for this one.
1: Well, it, it, you know, there probably is a sports reference (laughs) while I'm talking, I'll try to think real fast since I'm, um, who knows, I may become an ESPN analyst Oh, my fame in sports, um, sports is sports analysis.
0: Well, you can always come in here and do a sports podcast with us. Right.
1: Absolutely. Oh, we're going to do a sports podcast?
0: <laughs> oh, we could.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to think about that yeah. after my <laughs> predictions today about sport
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, earlier today. So I... Um, this team thing... Is to me is where the future is. So that is a little part of y'all's generation, for yeah. example, because of the social and the connection. And that it was obviously different when I was growing up. And some of those. Um, I think facilitators weren't there. But this whole idea that if I can build to my strengths rather than trying to make myself whole in myself, Mm -hmm. which isn't gonna work, Mm -hmm. but I can bring someone in to fill in my blind spots, then you become uh, very strong. So the sports analogy would be the players who have certain abilities to do certain things, whether it's football, basketball, et cetera. And if you have that, Rather than uh, ones that are, give me the ball coach, give me Mm -hmm. the ball coach, and the ones that want to score the most points. I've often said as I study um, teams is that that wins games, it doesn't win championships. And where do you want to be? Yeah,
2: championship.
1: Most of us want to be part of a championship team, Mm -hmm. and most of us in healthcare want to be. Known as being one of the most excellent greatest experience and be able to run our business. Well, Mm -hmm. and to do that You know you can often do one piece of that I can spend a lot of oh, some people. I have to spend a lot of money on quality and then you know My financials suffer now and in most industries we're learning quality pays And so you're actually more cost-effective, but that's people want to be part of a winning team Mm -hmm. That's what we did here Dave is show people that we could win.
0: Right. Yeah. Definitely turn the community around and have a good scorecard now and definitely some good quality stuff coming out of here. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is just seeing the possibilities that are there. Just understanding what can happen and living life in a way where you're just building upon that, where things are continually moving. And I believe you had, you you talked this morning about someone who had a, a quote about living that way. Zander. Ben Zander. Ben Zander, yeah. Yeah. What was that quote about?
1: Well, Ben Zander, um, talks, his wife actually had the quote that um, possibility is only one sentence away. Oh, okay. And uh, Ben wrote the book, The Art of Possibility, with his wife. He is the conductor of the Philadelphia Philharmonic. And he was here in Jackson after several of us had seen him at the Michigan Hospital Association talk about music, uh, conducting music in an orchestra as a metaphor for leadership. And so we wanted our community to hear him and his message of possibility. But um, what he talked about was things like the conductor is the only one in the orchestra that never makes a sound. And that for him, any, a player can lead from any chair. So what he would do at the end of rehearsals is leave sheets of paper for his players to be able to suggest to him how certain parts of a piece would uh, be played. And one infamous one, one of his players came up and said, you played my crescendo.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: So that person becomes, you know, more engaged. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the possibility for us, and I think what that time and having Ben Zander here spurned, Dave, is for perhaps at least enough in our community to see potential because it started a dialogue that we could be different and that Jackson had potential. And it took a lot of, um, I think, a variety of things coming together over time because this was not a community when Travis and I arrived here in 89 Mm -hmm. that believed in itself at all. Uh, Housing was very inexpensive, which was obviously a blessing for us uh, at that time because people were leaving more than they were coming. Uh, but so many people asked us, why in the world would you live here and why would you come to foot? And then the next step was, be sure you buy a house with a lot of built-ins that you could flip fast. And, I mean, that was sort of the mindset, mm-hmm. and which I found interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think, think of the resilience through the recession in this community. Mm-hmm to have bounced back. I mean, the old Jackson, I think unemployment could have easily been stagnated for a very long time. Uh, But we, with a few, it took a while to get the motor running, Um, but we have moved in a different direction. And I think uh, for a lot of our uh, manufacturers who were so hard hit, but other businesses, because there's... You know, you sneeze and the rest of the community catches a cold when you're a manufacturing business. Um, that people uh, found a way back. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, "My, well, if I can go through that. Right. Um, and come back. Yeah. And go through a lot. Well, and I know
0: part of our organization, that's kind of, our organization's done a good job at that. I want to also say that you've done a pretty good job at that, too, because I remember when I was first getting started, we had this little young professional group in Jackson, and you actually spoke there. You like took time to come to that group and really just showed us what a good leader is. And there were a lot of people who are now in larger positions mm-hmm. around town, just young professionals really in leadership positions that got a lot from that, just evening over a Jackson Coffee. Yeah. So that was a really great night. Um, and we wanted to thank you for that.
1: I, I um, you know, one of the things that was very easy to recognize, Dave, is that keeping young people here Mm -hmm. Was critical and so to it was I mean that was a pretty small group at that time in Jackson coffee as I recall Is that if a small group of you were thinking about you know, hey, we want to talk about what's good in Jackson and how to stay here? uh, That's what communities have to have and now when I do new staff orientation and people tell me they're coming home um, after having gone away and that they now want to come back or even better. I finished college and I wanted to come back here mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is that is um, A real testimony that people want to be part of building mm-hmm. something. Yeah
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm part of that group that has left and come back, you know, I after high school was you know gone for ten years and my family was here, and um, I would I would come back maybe twice a year. And somewhere around, I want to say, like 2012, 13, 14, there was visible differences in, in the city and in Jackson that were just like, you know, when you live here, you don't see it. But when you come back twice a year, it stands out. And just activity downtown and events that are going on, And it really does, in my opinion, a big part of it come from younger people that are now finding themselves in, you know, leadership positions or business owners. They're having that opportunity to um, sort of uh, activate that creative part of them that's always been there. They just weren't in a position to, you know, make something happen. So um, that's... You know, a big reason I came back, I also wanted to start a family and, um, you know, start uh, an, a business idea that I had to add to what's going on in Jackson. So it's interesting to hear that story that you shared yeah. in the coffee company, yeah. to, to know that, you know, some of those people that were there for that
0: are now, you know, doing things and making a difference in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, they're at consumers, they're doing Bright Walls, they're part of the Anchor Initiative, they're Mm -hmm. really helping change the face of downtown and the community in general. So, Yeah. It was great. Um, And I think some of the reason maybe why you um, spoke to such a small group was that you were so committed to your values. That's something that you talked about this morning is just one of the hardest things is to keep... Keep the values at the center of who you are when you face changes or you face hardship throughout your 30 years here. So how did you manage to keep what you hold dear through all of this?
1: It took a lot of intentionality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the best advice, I think, just within probably hours of being named CEO um, the recruiter who was one of the principals of the search firm uh, was Kiefer Ford. This was Dan Ford. Um, he sa- he knew the challenges here. And he said, um, your values are evident, and that is among the reasons that you were selected as CEO. And um, he said they're going to be challenged at many turns, and if you stick to your values, it will ultimately um, pay off in ways that you don't understand. And I—that was very compelling to me. And I don't think I fully appreciated what he meant. How it could be easy to compromise. Um, I certainly do in looking back. But it was, um, it was constant, you know, saying what are are the values that need to drive this and um, truly sticking through that in difficult situations, you know, like, do we disclose to patients isn't our value integrity? Of course we will. And making the right choices and not necessarily the easy choices, easy roads. Are easy in the beginning, but not, you know, toward the end. And then when you do that, just like Tylenol, I'm sure there were other options that they had, but that defined that company, mm-hmm. and it um, becomes the way that you know you are. And so, it, it is probably one of the biggest um, pieces of advice I would have for anyone is know what your values are. And love them uh, consistently because that leads to an authenticity. And we don't all share the same values, um, nor do we have to. But we can then find places where the, you know our values fit, and it's um, a comfortable. It's, it's comfortable to work there because you're not having to uh, twist yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to compromise to something that isn't who you are.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's great. Any other questions, Andrew?
2: Um, you know, not really. Uh, working, I just wanted to say, working in marketing, um, we 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 help with the staff forums that you that you do, and I've been helping with them now for three years. And you know, going into this series, I I was just curious to see how you would approach it. Um, you know, being your, your, your final round and you approached it as if it was, you know, your third round, your 10th round, you know, there was really no, um, lack of, um, focus or, uh, you know, passion, passion and empathy to, to us, the, the workers. Um, and I I hope that you noticed or recognized just people's gratitude for that. Like, you know, I would sit and, you know, clean up afterwards and pack up our equipment, and there would just be a line of people wanting to give you a hug and just thank you. So um, I hope that you recognize that all the time and, you know, the empathetic view you have and, you know, toward the greater community has been appreciated. Um, so uh, yeah, just wanted to thank you for that and just being a really, um, easily approachable leader, um, and one that is, uh, you know, doesn't, you know, hide behind boards or, or, uh, you know, send out just letters. Um, you know, you, you face the people and I think people respect that, so.
1: It's uh, these last rounds of forums, and I truly appreciate the support I've gotten from all of you all in, in uh, the marketing department, Andrew and Dave, um, because I know it's a lot of work. But it it creates, if you think about Charles' roles and my role, it's the vehicle for the culture continuity. And so it really was about telling people who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and setting the stage for Paula's leadership, because that continuity is absolutely critical. So That is, when people ask me about my legacy, it's what continues after me, Mm -hmm. because what has happened before me, I mean, obviously it's here, and there's um, a dynamic with what's been created, Um, but what perpetuates it and draws value from it is what happens going forward and that's got to be fueled by the culture because yep. healthcare is going to change leaders are going to change people are going to change and so what's the stable core is what we are and I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to our team about what we are and how we got to where we are because many have Uh, been a part of this long journey and um, there is nothing it is such an honor to lead and a privilege to lead Um, the title chief executive officer um, sounds um, like a great title Mm mm-hmm and yet, you know the work is, um, is has such significant responsibilities for so many people, responsibility directly for people, but also because of our onus of leadership, the impact on the organization, to me, to be able to have served as foot in Allegiance and now Henry Ford Allegiance House Chief Executive Officer, especially for 25 years, which mm-hmm. is rare, and to have um, been able to um, now have an organization, I think, with a culture that will enable so much forward momentum it's just it, the privilege of being with the, our staff and our team during these times of these last forums is so energizing yeah. for me. And I've my heart is so filled with gratitude.
2: Well, you've given us a lot of yourself over those 30 years, 25 especially. And um, you'd mentioned that you're excited to get to know yourself, yeah. which, you know, I think that's that made me when you said that just really happy for you that that, that that's where your mind's at and you know and, and, that, and that's the direction you're going after this it's awesome
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: you guys have both been um, so value added during this time you just you, you understand what we're trying to do and this isn't um, you know the typical farewell tour you know mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. want that and how you've facilitated this so that it could be um, genuine and genuinely me uh, has meant a lot
0: Mm -hmm. Well we do appreciate you very much and it's been wonderful to see your growth through these 25 years as being CEO and the time you've been here your growth and how you've just learned from all the difficulty you've established and you've um, been a strong leader and a good example for how to live and be a strong leader and to believe in something greater than yourself so with your example it's an example for all of us here to really just strive to do our best and take every day at a, one day at a time and just understand we're working for something good so thank you
1: thank you both